Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Honest Worship Podcast. I am not going to lie. I'm a little surprised that I was able to put that much energy into it. I just woke <laughs> up from a nap. I know. I was, I was, we were just talking right before he, you know, we started recording, and I was like, oh, wow. I put my volume down. <laughs> yeah, I just, I came, I came home from church, and I ate. Here's, here's the thing. We got cheesesteaks. Um, mm. and so heavy, heavy meal, I guess, you know, Philly cheesesteaks. And then I got into bed and it was, that was it. That was, that was it. it. You thought it was, you out. thought it was Monday morning. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then my, <laughs> my sister, my sister walked in and she was like, uh, don't you have to record with Rufus? And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just like. yeah so uh i'm surprised i'm surprised i got uh you know that much energy into into the intro that was good we started off we started off good now it's just trying some 30 33 consecutive episodes of conditioning yes hello everybody i think this might this might have been the loudest i might i'm not gonna lie (laughs) <laughs> maybe we should take naps before every episode <laughs> <laughs> that's true that is true uh, all right so today's episode we are continuing on our wonder series uh if you missed the last three episodes please go and listen to those um we do again like we do with every episode but especially in, in our series is um series is a series series I. especially in our series especially in our series no nap always (laughs) (laughs) we always try to build on uh the things that we touched on in previous episodes um and again the general topic of all three of these you know episodes is how each of these things drives us to a a place of wonder Uh, so whether Mm. that's the greatness of god the holiness of god the justice of god and in this episode uh, the grace of god and in the next episode the mercy of god you know we really want to touch on this um hopefully from an understanding of you know all that we have talked about in this series so that not one attribute is getting elevated above the rest of uh, the attributes of God, right? We want to cover all of this in a way where we're looking at all of who God is and then being driven to a place of worship out of wonder of who God is. Um, so that is our goal. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, uh, we highly recommend that you do go listen to those episodes. Um, but without further ado, we want to jump right in um, to this episode Uh, covering the grace of God, grace and wonder. How does God's grace, him being gracious, you know, and, you know, that being his attribute, who he is as a gracious God, how does that drive us to worship? Uh, And before we do quick recap of the last three episodes, because again, hopefully that understanding building on the greatness, the holiness and the justice of God will help us have a better understanding of the grace of God. And so we covered in episode one to three, we covered, again in that order greatness holiness and Mm -hmm. justice um 
And we talked about how out of the magnificence of who God is, uh, that we are driven to a place of worship simply just by looking at how great God is and looking at ourselves and realizing in comparison to God, there isn't much that we hold for our own. Um, In comparison to God, we are just put in awe. and, you know, similarly to how Isaiah was able to look at God, he realized how insignificant he is. And then also, mm-hmm. you know, same similarly with the holiness of God, Isaiah looked at God and saw how uh, unclean he was. Um, and again, with the justice of God, we talked about how God's justice and his holiness, you know, they go hand in hand. God being holy causes him then to be Mm. just he cannot stand sin and so he must act and work justice or when he sees oppression he works justice for the oppressed right so we talked about those things and now talking about the greatness of god it goes hand in hand with the i mean the grace of god it goes hand in hand with his greatness and his holiness and his justice as we're going to see as we get to the end of this episode and so um right off the bat let's go Let's go right into how uh, we see God revealed as a God of grace throughout Scripture. Um, And I think one of the best places we can turn to is the Psalms. Uh, The Mm -hmm. Psalms have always been an easy place for us to go to in the series. Why? Because we see David oftentimes just just thinking about, just thinking about the attributes of God, who God is. Um, And let's go... uh, there's a lot of Psalms that address the grace of God, um, and we have a couple uh, listed here. All of these will be in the ASV. Uh, Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Psalm 116, uh, verse 5, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Psalm 145, 8, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in in steadfast love, right? So we see we see a a, 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 a pattern. <laughs> God yeah. is gracious, uh, yep. and the psalmist, what he's doing here is he's thinking about the greatness of God, right? And oftentimes we see David, and you know, many times when we see any of the biblical characters thinking about an attribute of God and then writing about it, they're often mm-hmm. writing about it from a place of where either they need grace. Or they're being driven to a place of worship because of grace. Um, When we look at Psalm 51, when David is crying out to God for mercy, he's doing that out of a place because he recognizes that he Mm -hmm. needs mercy. Psalm 51, right? The full context, David just sinned against God and he sinned yep. against Bathsheba. And now out of an understanding of his sinfulness, he's saying, God have mercy. And right. Similarly, when we look through the Psalms and we see David, um, you know, or any of the Psalms crying out to God and saying, God, you are merciful and gracious. Either they are appealing to God for grace or mm-hmm. they're worshiping God because of his grace. Yep. And in fact, God's grace is revealed to us day by day. Yeah. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. He gives mm-hmm. us breath for each day. Or yeah. even when we talked about how God works justice for the oppressed, that too is an mm. act of his grace. Yeah. God's justice there is an act of grace that we see. We see them going yeah. hand in hand. Right. Right. That he sets the captive free. Mm hmm. That he gives food to those who need. Yeah. Right? These are acts 
of God's grace in everyday life that we right. see. And so we see right. there us, we have an ability, we have a we have an alley of being driven to awe and wonder of God's grace because of a necessity of yeah. daily reliance on God's grace. And yes. we're gonna see, you know, a much deeper, but we also have a place where we can be driven to an understanding of wonder in our God simply yeah. because we look at God and we are able to say, God is gracious. Yes. God is gracious mm-hmm. out of a out of a revealed attribute of God's grace. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like the psalmist. Yeah. Not only are they appealing to God for grace, but looking at God being gracious, they are driven to a place of worship. Amen. Yeah. And um I don't know if we were gonna do um uh, look into what what grace is about, but I think the magnitude of in Scripture that we see of God's grace is not just in the character and person of God, um, in that He is just really kind mm. and He's you know really great towards mankind, but the beauty of grace, the magnitude of grace that Scripture enlightens us about, and the Holy Spirit enlightens us about through Scripture, is the recipient of grace. Mm. I think only when we understand what grace is, not just in the one who gives it, but in the one who receives Mm. it, do we understand what the magnitude of grace is. It's not just God's just being kind and God's just being nice and God's just working out things for mankind. But um, in Grudem, uh, in his study Bible that we often quote, He said, God's grace means that God's goodness towards those who deserve only punishment. So that's, you know, grace has to be understood. And the recipient Mm -hmm. of grace is deserving of something else. Mm. Yeah. All throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture, and that's why we look in the Psalms, and David is exalting God for his grace. And oftentimes, um, like Sammy was quoting some of those Psalms, you'll see grace and mercy often t- tagged together. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a way of saying God's goodness, God's provision, God's rescue, um, God's help towards me, towards us as a congregation, where whoever it is, when we don't deserve it, when we deserve the exact opposite. Um, that's what grace is showing. It's not just God's character to give people whatever uh, he desires, but Mm. it's in a giving of goodness, a giving of mercy, a giving of love to people who don't deserve it, but rather deserve punishment. And that's Mm. not something that the New Testament church figured out after Christ came, um, died, rose again, and, and, and ascended to heaven. It's something from the beginning of time that mankind realized after the fall that we are all deserving of punishment. Yeah. And the God who not only provides for us, but the God that who doesn't utterly wipe us out from the earth because of mm. our sin, mm. that's, the, that's the motivation of, of David and the many who write. Um, and, and in the Psalms, we see a desire to worship God for it, but a desire to say, God, have grace towards me mm, because yeah. i know i don't deserve yeah. it yeah um and aw tozer says grace that is that in god which brings into favor one who is justly in disfavor 
um, that word justly. That's why, um, you know, why Sammy stresses, hey, if you haven't listened to the episodes, go back and listen to mercy and or go back and listen to justice and, and things like that, because we understand that if we are in disfavor with God, we are deserving in uh, punishment and we justly deserve those things. Mm. The justice of God, the holiness of God shines on us. And then we see that we are justly um, deserving of God's punishment. But grace is that God brings us who are justly in disfavor into favor with him. Yeah. And this is something that not only those who uh, like we're going to talk about in Christ, but those even throughout the Old Testament from the beginning of creation realized that God's grace wasn't seen in him continuing to give them things or bless them when they didn't deserve mm. it. But the mere fact that God didn't destroy them, the mere fact that God didn't wipe them out from the face of the earth because of their sin, the mere fact that they get to wake up in the morning and like we talked about the grandeur, mm. to look out and see creation, to enjoy the creation of, of God, um, to have uh, to be able to worship God every single yeah. moment of their life, that in itself was divine grace that they were yeah. seeing in God. Mm. And so I think one thing as we read through these and talk about these scripture portions, to know that grace is not merely an act of God's goodness towards man, but the recipients of it are deserving of the opposite. And that's yeah. what makes grace so mm. vast and so uh, deep to realize. Mm. And I think when we study the pattern that we see in the Psalms, mm. always looking at God and calling for his grace, mm -hmm. right? And like we talked about earlier, when we, we either see the psalmist, they're either appealing for grace or worshiping yeah. God because of his that's grace. Mm -hmm. When we look at that dynamic there, we see God deserving of worship solely because he is gracious yeah. right even if even if he doesn't grant grace to us right but then we see the idea that they are appealing to god because they are in need of need grace it. yeah it is this it is this drastic dynamic we see this almost chasm between mm. the recipient and the giver that mm. he, the giver has no obligation to give right he has Absolutely. no obligation to give. Yep. And that is why that is why we are not, you know, called to worship God simply because he gives, but because mm. he is. Yeah. And when we look at the grace of God, this is probably one attribute of God more so than any other, that even if we don't see it being revealed to us directly, we yeah. know yeah. because it has been revealed to us through scripture. Yes. And again, that's why I think that it's so interesting to see the psalmist do it all the time, all the time. Either they are worshiping God because of it. Yeah. Even if they even if in that psalm, they don't talk about them receiving it. They right. talk about the exaltation of the attribute of God's grace. Yeah. And then at the same time, we see people like David after they have sinned, where they are appealing to God for grace. Yeah. And it's that dynamic especially for us as believers who have been saved and redeemed. And we're going to mm. get into how Jesus has been the, the, the manifestation, the earthly and outwardly manifestation of the grace of God. Mm. But for us, being redeemed as believers, now a part of the church, the bride of Christ that is going to be ushered into, into a new heaven and new earth, mm. we know 
that this God did not have to come into our place. Yeah. But he did. Why? Because he is gracious and gave us what we do not deserve in his son. Yeah. It's such an interesting dynamic, and it's a dynamic that we have to understand. Yep. God is great, like we mm. talked about it in our grander episode, and he is holy, meaning mm. he cannot stand our sin. Right. And so when we see this, God's grace and his and his and his justice and his holiness and his grandeur, we see them all coming together at a place where God is so much higher and so much greater, where he does not have an obligation to give grace. And yeah. yet, even in our need, when we need God's grace because of our sin, which calls for his holy wrath and righteous justice yeah. to burn in full fury against us, yeah. he still gives grace. Yeah. And like Rufus said, that helps us under the magnitude of God's grace. Yeah, absolutely. It helps us understand the magnitude of God's grace in that mm. while we are still sinners, while mm. we are still ungodly, yeah. following the course of this earth, following the yeah. prince of the power of the air, God still showed grace. Yeah. And that is so beautiful. And that yeah. is where we can look at God's grace and be driven to a place of wonder. Yeah. And I think that obligation uh, part is so important where um, God's grace will never be given to us or God's grace is never um, given to us by God in response to something we do. That's not how grace works. God's never obliged to, well, because mm. Sammy uh, or Rufus did this much, I'm going to be gracious to them. Mm. Grace is always seen in the background of sin. Grace is always seen in the background of not deserving. Yeah, uh, We know that story that Jesus talks about of the ruler who has a servant who owes him a debt. Um, and the servant pleads, and then the ruler uh, says, or cancels his debt and forgives him, and mm. says, "Go." And this servant has uh, this a guy has another servant who also owes him, um, and that servant, you know, pleads, and instead of forgiving him, he punishes him, and then the ruler comes to find out, and so we see that this first servant, the ruler was not obliged to show grace mm. or to show mercy. In fact, if you don't pay the debt. You owe, you are guilty. Yeah. And so that grace was given to someone who was not deserving of it. And that was not an obligation. Rather, that was done completely, again, grace, completely mercy. And so that's something that, you know, is so important, especially in when we look at the Psalms and we look at worship or we look at the context of worship. Or when we look at salvation in and of itself, grace teaches us through the love of God, as we study the love of God, as we study the justice of God, we study the holiness of God, we study the magnitude of the wonder of the cross and everything. Grace comes in every so often and tells us and reminds us, listen, this is not deserved. Mm. Yeah. And oftentimes grace can be this wonderful thing that we look at. And I, we might touch on that about sin and grace is this wonderful thing. Wow, God is so gracious. Mm. But grace reminds us over and over and over again that we don't deserve it. And yeah. that's not a bad thing, brothers and sisters. That's a great thing to show us that the immensity of love itself, the immensity of the mercy of God 
where grace can tell us when we get filled with that joy, when we get filled with the wonder of the cross, that grace can remind us over and over again that we are not deserving of any yeah. of it. Um, it really brings us down to the black slate, to the emptiness, to the other pity situation that we were in, and then lightens us to the love and the wonder of the cross. Yeah. Um, and so again, the the fact that God is not obliged to grace is something that is so easy um, and again, I'll, I'll put this out there too, that this is something, the grace of God is something that has been vastly, vastly misinterpreted mm-hmm. and misused. False doctrines, false teachings have come um, out of the misinterpretation of this word. So it's so important that we understand that it's not deserved and God is not obliged to anything that he does for us out of his grace. Yeah. And I think when we when we study the biblical pattern of grace, and we mm. when we look at um, what the Bible says grace is, how we respond to grace, and our positions in grace, meaning where we are as recipients, and where we are as and you know, where God is is the one who gives, the one who grants, mm. right? Oftentimes, like Rufus said, the misinterpretation is that we are deserving of grace, and that it is yeah. our obli- it's God's obligation to therefore grant us whatever we want, whatever we ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, oftentimes when we when we see in, in prosperity gospel movements, yeah. it is this exaltation of the attribute of God's grace, but a twisted grace. Yes. In which there is no mention of sin. Mm-hmm. There is no mention of, you know, like we see in the Psalms, either a cry for grace or or a worshiping of God solely because he is grace. There is none of mm-hmm. that. But rather we see God's grace simply used as a pawn to get more out of the hand of God. Yeah. And like Rufus said, and Rufus already mentioned this, you know, grace always reminds us that we are not deserving of it. Yes. And if it doesn't do that, it's not grace. Right. If, if, if a message of grace is being preached in which our sinfulness and the magnitude of God's unconditional favor solely because mm-hmm. he is good, not because we are mm-hmm. deserving, not because mm-hmm. he is obligated to give us because of some sort of covenant that he made in the past. No, but because he is good and he is God. Right. If that right. is not the picture of grace that is painted, it's not grace, brothers and sisters. Amen. Yeah. And here's here's what I will here's here's the danger of that. Hmm. The danger of movements that will tell you that God is obligated to do a certain thing. Mm. And that can look like anything. It can look like yep. the prosperity gospel movement. It can look like mm. hyper grace movements in which sin mm. is just completely thrown out. Yeah. And it's not a term that is used. Right. Or it can be in 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 places where we think that God is obligated every single time to heal. Mm. That too is dangerous. Mm. Do we not see God as a God in scripture that allows his believers to go through suffering so that their faith might be tested and that they might be refined and come out like pure gold? Yep. Isn't that too then suffering a grace of God? Yeah. Yeah. Do you see how dangerous it is? And here's Mm. what that grace will do, that false twisted grace will do. It will deprive you of true worship to God. Yep. 
because then God's grace is not something that you don't deserve, hmm. but it is something that God is obligated to give you. And then your yes. worship is no longer something that you ought to give God because he is gracious, but worship hmm. is simply something that becomes a tool for you to use to Amen. squeeze more out of God's right. hand. Right. It's a dangerous place to be. Hmm. It's a dangerous place to be. That's why when mm. we see in the Psalms people asking for God's grace, it's because of realization of the fact that they are not deserving of grace. Yeah. It's a realization of the fact that God should punish them because of their sin. Just look yeah. at Psalm 51. David says, against you and you only, God, have I sinned. Yeah. So be merciful to me. Right. Be gracious to me. Blot right. out my transgressions. Hmm. it's a dangerous dangerous place to be and again yeah the understanding of the pattern of either appealing for god's grace or worshiping him because of it right hmm. god is deserving of worship because he is gracious and god is deserving of worship because even when we didn't deserve it he was gracious yeah. to us right that is key to understand the gravity hmm. of it the holiness mm. of God's grace in that it stands above any other grace that we see in this world. Yep. These are all important for us to understand because a skewed understanding of grace will lead to a skewed understanding of worship. Yep. And we don't want that. We don't want to mm. dip our hands in the glory of God. Yeah. It's really important for us to understand the magnitude of the grace of God, the pattern of God's grace, and the true meaning of grace. In that grace mm. is God giving us what we don't deserve. Amen. Not what Amen. we think we do deserve. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know we're going to, you know, transition to, to salvation here. And, um, I think it's another thing that we see also in the New Testament, especially in the letters of Paul. Um, this word grace is almost like one of the most central word central words that's used in in Paul's epistles because the many churches there, especially the church in Corinth, the church in Galatia, uh, they were there was a danger that Paul saw, not really a danger, but a, a actual concern that Paul saw that they believed that they had favor with God mm. because of things that they did. Mm. And those things that they did warranted favor from God. Yeah. Again, obliging God to love them, to have favor on them, and to make them his own. And Paul often begins with a salutation that says grace and peace to you mm. from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we just see those as like, okay, it's just the way he's greeting them. But when you study the context of these churches that have misinterpreted the grace of God, as something God is obliged to give them because of the amount of things they've done. Mm. And the more that I do, the more favor that I should have with God, the more things that I've said, the more things that I've done, the more involvement that I've had, the more of the law that I've studied, the more favor that I should have with God. 
But Paul is reminding them in the letters itself from the very beginning, no, grace to you. Mm. Don't forget what grace is about. It has yeah. nothing to do with what you can do. It has nothing to do with you doing enough where God feels mm. obliged to have favor on you. It's about grace. It's about you not deserving it, and it's fully the will and the mercy and the love of God towards you. Yeah. And then Paul often ends with a benediction. And maybe you've heard your pastors end with a benediction, may the grace of our Father. And, you know, you hear that. Mm. Again, yeah. ending with grace, saying, may God's grace be upon you. Mm. As you leave from the service or you leave from this gathering, whatever it is, may God's grace continue to be upon you because without God's grace, we are deserving of his punishment. Without God's grace, no one can stand on the merit of his own works or accomplishments. And so before Paul starts his letter, he says, hey, I'm reminding you, you are who you are because of God's grace. And I'm closing and praying for you, really, that God's grace will continue to be upon you. It, it completely encompasses everything that Paul has to say mm. to remind us and to remind the churches then as well yeah. that we are not deserving of anything. Yep. And, you know, even in the word of, even as Paul goes through all these things, he talks about mercy, talks about justice, talks about holiness, and still tags it with grace, grace, yeah. grace. Mm -hmm. You think love is great? Well, grace tells you you don't deserve it. Yeah. You think that God's love for you is great? You think God's mercy for you is great? Well, grace is telling you that you don't deserve it. You think that me talking about eternity and the splendor of heaven and the joy that's found in dwelling with Christ forever is great. Listen, you don't deserve it. You deserve the opposite. Yeah. And so plugging in grace here and there often um, and always in the beginning and the end, Paul is just reminding us, no, by grace, mm. by grace. Mm -hmm. We don't deserve it. God, we didn't do enough where we reached a certain level where God's like, okay, here's a certain portion of my grace. No, God's grace is full. God's grace is perfect. And it's not on the merit of who we are, or what we've done. Yeah. And so in seeing this word repeated and reiterated, not just in the Old Testament, but over and over again in the letters itself should remind us every single time we see it, hey, I don't deserve this. Whatever yeah. it is being talked about here, yeah. I don't deserve. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's, it's an immediate way to in this world of especially for those who are in ministry and i'm saying this just out of experience for those of you in ministry and those of you who serve either as a worship leader or a teacher or whatever it is in whatever capacity that god has called you to it's so easy to ride the wave of wow i can do it mm. i'm really doing mm. this yeah my talents are really carrying me my abilities are really carrying me um the praise of people is it, it can feel so attractive and just to sit in the in, in the word and see this word grace over and over again really just brings you to nothing and saying, man, mm. without God's favor, yeah. without God's love, without God's mercy in my life, who am I? Mm. Nothing. Yeah. And so um, I think that's really important that we see that um, a word that's used so often carries so much weight, but it can be so twisted so easily. Yeah. And again, in it leads us into a wrong definition of worship, mm. um, like mm -hmm. Sammy said. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And, you know, so far we've covered um, the pattern of God's grace that we see in the scriptures, mm. right? Um, from the perspective of needing grace, right? Mm. We see the psalmist when they are in need of God's grace. And whether that yeah. looks like 
God graciously working justice, right? We see many times mm-hmm. David, you know, call out to God in that in that context where he needs deliverance from something. He appeals for God's right. grace and to be just, right? And we yeah. see that being manifest in the world today, right? Where God is gracious towards the orphan, gracious towards the widow, gracious towards those who are oppressed, right? And mm. likewise, our responsibility as recipients of grace then to be working, graciously yeah. working for justice for others. We see God's pattern of grace in that he is gracious and that in and of itself because of who he is as God, being gracious mm. as God, regardless of whether he gives that grace to us or not, mm-hmm. calls for worship. We see that as well. Yep. Um, yep. And then we see these both going hand in hand. Mm. We talked about earlier the chasm that lies between the recipient and the giver mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that the giver has no obligation to give grace to those who ask. Right. And yet we see the overwhelming message of the scripture is that whenever the whenever we see in the scripture the saints cry out for the grace of God, we see that he gives. That is the overwhelming message of scripture. Mm. Not that this chasm of, of recipient and giver extends further and further as time goes on, mm. but mm. that at one place, in one point in history, that that chasm is completely shut. Yep. Between giver and recipient. Mm. Where the, re- the recipient is able to come into contact face-to-face with the giver Mm. through Jesus. Yeah. And that's where we see this going hand in hand. Yeah. Where we see where we see the same cries that people have had for 2000 years and and way before Jesus even came of God, we need your grace. And yet mm. the God who is not obligated to give grace, we mm. see both of these wonderful pictures of God's grace that should draw out of us wonder. We see them collide at one place 2000 years ago in a city called Bethlehem. Mm. Amen. Jesus came, Hmm. right? We see Paul talk about at the fullness of time, when the fullness of time Hmm. had come, that Jesus came into the world. That at the right moment, where the world was crying out for justice and for Hmm. grace and where God Hmm. so freely gave it through his son, Jesus. Amen. Jesus is quite literally the manifestation, the earthly and outwardly manifestation of the grace of God. Mm. John 1 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as the only son of God from the father full of grace and truth Mm. Mm. verse 16 from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace Mm. for the law was given through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ Brothers and sisters, the wonder of God's grace does not merely end in just this chasm between recipient and giver in that God, yes, he does give grace, but the wonder of God's grace climaxes at this one place where we see the giver come to dwell with the recipient. Amen. So that the recipient might receive grace upon grace. Amen. 
This is why the Apostle Paul then goes on to write in Romans that while we were still sinners, that Christ Jesus died for us. That God's grace was made manifest in what? Giving his only son to be a propitiation for our sin, to spare us from the wrath of God. That is where the wonder of God's grace cultivates and climaxes to this one apex that is Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. Yep, yep. And looking at Jesus, we see a picture of sinners who are not deserving of grace. Yeah. And yet we see the picture of the God who came to give grace and love on sinners. Amen. That he came, took on the form of sinful man, hung on that tree, Mm. died in our place, giving us the title of sons. We don't deserve that title. Amen. But God gave it freely. That's Mm. the wonder of grace. That's the magnitude Mm. of grace that we've been talking about. We see it in the Psalms in such a picture of, of such a tiny picture, just foreshadowing to this greater Christ that is going to come and redeem. Yes. Yes. And when he does, brothers and sisters, we see a picture of grace that far outshines anything and everything else. It's not like this world. It's not like the grace that we see revealed through parables. But we see Mm. this wondrous grace in taking you and I sinners and naming us sons. Amen. Oh, that is a grace that we do not deserve. But it is a grace that God has so freely given us that far outshines every and other definition of grace. Amen. And how much more, after listening to that, how much more than those who not only fell on their knees and pleaded with God for his grace in the Old Testament, greater than those in the Old Testament who continually worshipped and praised and exalted God for His grace, Mm. how much more are we who not in an old covenant, not in the Old Testament covenant, where an imperfect high priest must go and make an imperfect sacrifice once a year for the atonement Mm. of sins, how much more are we who have received the mercy, the grace of God, that our sins through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his propitiation by his blood, in a a moment where we are guilty, on, on a slate what says we are completely guilty as charged, that our sins can be wiped away, a perfect sacrifice once and for all. How much more has the grace of God been shown to you and I? And I've said this before. I've said this before. If God, you know, God did not just wipe away our former sins. God did not just wipe away our sins and say, hey, hey, you you can be a part of my kingdom. God did not just wipe away our sins and say, hey, you can be, mm. um, you know, part of the angels. God wiped away our sins, brought us into our family, and Sammy mentioned, called us sons and daughters. Yeah. The family yeah. name. 
the privilege to look at the God whom we talked about in the past few episodes, this God of grandeur, this God who holds the whole universe in his hands, the God in whom his presence we were guilty and deserving of punishment, mm. now not only wipes away our sins, but gives us such a divine, personal, intimate title. That's why we read, it's not just grace, it's grace yeah. upon yeah. grace. Amen. Amen. In the light of the Old Testament covenant and the worship of God's grace that was seen there and the light of the cross and the redemption that we have seen through the cross and in light of the title in which we have been given, the favor that was shown to us uh, when we were justly in disfavor with God, mm. that is grace yeah. beyond grace, Amen. a grace that cannot be fathomed, a grace Amen. that cannot be explained. And the one thing that I want to make sure that we understand here through the cross, here through all of the writing, all of the depictions of the cross and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, is that I don't think you can find a single place where what the recipient deserved is mm. not written before the grace that was shown to the recipient. Yeah. Mm. There's not a single place where you will see the grace of God depicted on the cross of Calvary without what the recipient of that grace truly deserved first. Yeah. Why? Because it's only, only in the background of who we were without God, who we were apart from the grace of God, the sin and the penalty of sin that was upon us, only in knowing that, only in having a true revelation or understanding of who we are can the magnitude of God's grace in that situation be understood. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. why in Ephesians 2, we, you know, we bring that up so many times because it truly shows yeah. those two brought beautifully together. Mm. It talks about how we were dead. And the, 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 the depiction in Ephesians 2 is just so uh, vivid and so deep where it doesn't even try to sugarcoat it. It says we were dead, yeah. meaning that's it. <laughs> yeah. There's no hope. There's no hope at all. Like we talked about earlier, that's why Paul says, no, please don't think it's your works. Mm. Please don't think that you mm. can make God obliged to give it to you. You're dead. What can you do? Yeah. What can you do? And he says you were dead in your trespasses following the course of the world. You were going your own way. But God has shown us mercy, and because of the great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ, and he tags it and says, it's by grace you've been saved. Yeah, yeah. It's Amen. by grace. I told all of this to you. I shared to you, church in Ephesus, all of these terrible things that you once were so that you would understand that God did not give you what you deserve, but showed you mm -hmm. grace through the cross of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And whenever ta Paul talks about in Romans, Romans, the the reason I love Romans is because uh, we, you know, we talk about Romans chapter 12, verse one, where we're called to worship. And every chapter before that just totally uh, just pours out the grace of God over and over and over again. Mm. And Paul talks about in Romans that we were chosen by grace in chapter three, in chapter 11, chapter eight, chapter six. We're chosen by grace. Yeah. We're chosen by grace. God called us out by grace. Mm -hmm. And in the verse that Paul, um, uh, Sammy just mentioned, where we see that there was a, yeah, God put forth the propitiation. We see that there's no distinction. Romans chapter three, 
There's no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified how by grace, grace. yeah, by Amen. grace as a gift Amen. through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But was it just, was it just, you know, Hey, the story, the parable that Jesus said, was it this guy, this servant that had no idea that he was in debt and he mm. was just living his life. And then mm. this ruler comes up and says, Hey, listen, I've forgiven you. You're good. The guy would just be like, all right, whatever. Yeah. But he yeah. realized that he was guilty. Mm. He was in a realization that I deserve to be punished because I have not paid my debt. And when the ruler announces you are good to go, your debt has been cleared. The immense feeling of joy, the immense feeling of gratitude that should have been in his heart. We see it wasn't in his heart, but should have been in his heart. Mm. That is what grace says. Yeah. That's why Paul over and reiterates it again, because he does not want us to be ignorant mm. of who we are. Mm. He does not want to be us to be ignorant of what we should be the recipient of apart from God. Because if you don't get that, if you feel irritated by hearing it, mm. if your church does not mm. preach who we once were, if your pastor does not preach who you once were, if you as an individual, whether you preach or teach or sing, feel ashamed or feel a disinterest in proclaiming who we once were and what we are truly deserving of, let me tell you, those who hear you, those who pay attention to you, those who hear your message will never know the mm. depth of God's grace. Yeah, They will never know it. Mm. And if we don't understand the depth of God's grace, brothers and sisters, we will never find our need for him as a savior. Oh, yeah. The depth of this, the magnitude of us highlighting the slate in which grace has been shown has eternal consequences. Mm. So please, brothers and sisters, when you see this, say that grace is never there as a depiction of God giving. Grace is always there in the background of the recipient who is undeserving, especially on the cross of Calvary. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And here's the other thing about God's grace. And this we're gonna, this is where I want to end. Um, hmm. We see in Scripture Jesus being the one, the manifestation of God's grace, quite literally Jesus is grace because we do not deserve him. Mm -hmm. And yet God gave him to us freely. And he came yeah. of his own accord freely and laid down his life of, of his own accord freely to redeem yes. us. Yeah. But it is the same Jesus that gives us grace for the everyday. Mm. That when we go through suffering, <laughs> that when we go through hardship, that we Amen. are able to look at this Jesus and say, his grace is sufficient for me. Amen. And that his Amen. power is made perfect in my weakness. Amen. This is the beauty of God's grace. It doesn't end at mm. the cross. Mm. This is the beauty of, of understanding the, the magnitude of God's grace in that there was a chasm, but that God came to seal it shut. Mm. So that you and I, in every trial, in every tribulation, in every suffering, in every place where our mind is ravaged emotionally, mm. physically, where we might be going through depression or heartache, mm. heartbreak and sorrow, mm. that we can look to Jesus and say, his grace is sufficient for me. Amen. That we have access to grace every day, mm. not because we are deserving of it 
but because mm. God gave it freely through his son. Amen. And Amen. that son, Jesus, now lives in you and me. It is Amen. no longer we who live, but Christ that lives within us. Yeah. It is the same Paul that writes that, that says to the church in Galatia, you have been redeemed by grace. So are you now trying mm. to make your salvation perfect of your own accord Amen. through your flesh? Yep. Hmm. We don't need to do that. Hmm. You don't have to strive trying to make God somehow fall in love with you or anything hmm. like that. No, hmm. God's love has been freely given. Amen. You don't have to coerce him to love you. He loves you because he is gracious to you. Amen. Through his son, Jesus. Amen. And this is the beauty. This is where we want to end. Because when we look at God, we don't just see this picture anymore. And then, and let, let me tell you something. Even in the Old Testament, we see this picture of God as a God who is graciously redeeming. Hmm. The New Testament is simply just the manifestation of that. Amen. Through Jesus. Amen. And so now we don't have to worry about going into a temple every, every year to make a, an atonement sacrifice for our sin so that the nation now can receive grace. Hmm. But like the psalmist, we can both appeal for grace and worship God because of his grace from a place and an understanding of God is grace and he has given it freely through his son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And this is where worship just explodes out of us. Yes. Because we see the grace of God, the magnitude of God's grace. And brothers Amen. and sisters, when we look at God giving us grace as sinners who are undeserving of it, I don't know what other reaction we could have except mm. worship. Amen. I don't Amen. know what else we could have. There is no place for pride in the presence of grace. There is no yep. place for yep. shame in the presence of grace. There is yep. no place for despair in the presence of grace. Why? Because we are able to bring it at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need grace. Yes. And he gives yes. it. He gives it so yep. freely. And so mm -hmm. when you stumble, when you fall, when you go through heartache and heartbreak, when you might be in the pit of despair, let me tell you, there Amen. is grace for you. And Amen. if you bring it at the feet of Jesus and offer it to him mm. in worship and in prayer, when we look at Jesus and we worship him for his grace, brothers and sisters, we know and we can be assured Amen. of and we can have a guarantee in that his grace is sufficient for us for every day, Amen. every trial, every hardship. For every time we try to worship when we may not feel like it, we look to that Amen. cross and see God's grace and it drives us to worship. Amen. That's the wonder of God's grace. Amen. And um, like we saw in Romans 3 and 5 and 6 and 8 and 11, it all comes together in, tw in chapter 12 and says, by these mercies, like we said, it's often tagged with grace, mm -hmm. by these mercies, by this grace, offer your life to him as worship. Mm -hmm. Give everything you have to him as worship based on this grace that was shown to you. And I know we oftentimes kind of close with kind of a um, a plea or a request to those of you who are ministers and those mm. of you who yeah. are um, worship leaders, um, especially in a congregation, uh, just to give you guys a, a verse that I, you know, I've just been looking at um, 
in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul is talking to the elders in Ephesus. And in that verse, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. He says, my only aim is to finish the race Mm -hmm. and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What is the task that God gave to Paul? What is Paul's definition of finishing the race? What is his only aim that he can say that his life is worth nothing? He says his task of testifying the good news of God's grace. Amen. Amen. Testifying the good news of God's grace is the task that I am running to complete. Mm. That's my only aim in life, and I'm willing to give up my life for it. Mm. That's what we are called to. Seeing that we have been shown grace upon grace, let all those who hear our teaching, let all those who hear our songs, again, our songs declare a message just as much as our teaching and our preaching Mm -hmm. do. Let us testify, not of what God can give to us, not of what God is obliged to give to us, not of how much we can do for God to act, not about just the healing and the blessings that we feel like we have some uh, uh, some right towards or some entitlement towards mm-hmm. because we are children of God. No, let us testify the good news of God's grace. Yeah. Because God's grace is indeed good news. Amen. And it's good Amen. news because we don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And is it in the light of, is Paul, is Paul saying this in light of knowing that, man, God's going to give me breakthrough. God's going to give me healing. The verse right before this, the reason why he says, however, in verse 24, is because right before it, he says, the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that awaits, that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Look at that. Imprisonment and afflictions await Mm. me. He knows his life and ministry is not going to be healing and breakthrough. He knows it's not going to be about splendor and wealth, and material blessings from God. He knows it's going to be suffering, imprisonment, affliction. And he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing because I have come to know about the good news of God's grace, and I am running to testify about it. Let that be our desire. Mm -hmm. If we would see that the rest of our life was not blessings and prosperity, if we would see that the rest of our life is filled with suffering and trials and tribulations, can we, as ministers of God's word, as ministers of the truth of God's gospel, be able to say, no, I am still going to live to testify the good news of God's grace, to show that God's grace Mm -hmm. is not in what he does for me or gives to me, but in the fact that I don't deserve the love and the mercy that was shown to me on the cross of Calvary. And so I pray that our songs would testify of his grace. Mm. Our messages would testify of his grace, not just of God who gives, but of the God who gives to the recipient who is undeserving of any of it. Yeah. And um, as we close, if there's one thing we want to give you, right? Bufus said, Mm. mercy and grace are often tied. And so again, even at the end of this yeah. episode, we urge you to worship by the mercies of God. Because let me tell Amen. you, it is sufficient. It is sufficient. Amen. Even if Amen. God does not give you a single blessing 
Amen. Even if God allows you to go through hardship, just like Paul went through, just like Job went through, if there is a mm. thorn that is afflicting you in the flesh, mm. let me tell you, God's grace is sufficient. Sufficient. Amen. It is sufficient for today. It is sufficient for tomorrow. It is sufficient for the Amen. rest of your life. Amen. Not just for affliction, but in worship, it is sufficient to drive you to a Amen. place of awe and wonder in our God. Amen. Amen. And, and the church today sadly is drifting to a place where it is more about what God gives and what God does mm. rather than who he is mm. and how he has acted mm. towards us through his son. Amen. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Amen. And so I, I exhort you, please look mm. at the grace of God and worship Amen. by the mercy of God. Praise God. That your worship would be centered on the cross and that through your worship, mm. you would adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is Amen. our goal as Christians Amen. in our worship, as worship leaders, when we are leading our congregation, what is going to mm. suffice for the rest of their lives? It's not about mm. blessing. It's not about victory. It's not about any of mm. that. It's about looking to the grace of God that is sufficient for every day. Amen. Amen. That will sustain and satisfy and be sufficient for every weary soul until the day they Amen. die where they Amen. see the grace of God revealed in Christ Jesus face to face and the, his Amen. name, like we see in Revelation 22, that his name would be written on their foreheads, that they rule and yes. reign with him forever as heirs. Amen. We don't get that position as sons and fellow heirs with Christ and rulers and reigning in his kingdom because we are deserving of it, but we get it because of God's grace given freely to us. Hmm. And if it can suffice for all of eternity to bring us to that point where we see Jesus and are transformed into his likeness, it can suffice on this earth too. Mm. Amen. And so that is Amen. our exhortation. And that is where we want to leave you. And so we hope, Amen. we really hope and we really pray that through this episode, you were just put in awe of who God is as a gracious, loving God. And that is yeah, all we have for absolutely. you today, THWP family. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. You can look at our YouTube if you do not have Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Anchor or anything like that. We have a Facebook as well where all of our posts from our Instagram, except some of our stories and our reels, uh, are <laughs> made available uh, to you guys <laughs> there. So if you don't like Instagram, you can use Facebook. Um, Morning devotionals should hopefully be coming out this week. Unfortunately, we weren't able to put out one last week. Um, that week was kind of crazy for us, which I think I was graduating. Yeah. Rufus had a lot going on too. And so it was just not a, not a, not a good time. <laughs> yeah. uh, but now we should be able to put out a morning devotional. So be on the lookout for that. Um, anything, any mm. updates and all of that stuff will be available on our Instagram to you. Once again, we hope that you have a great rest of the week, rest of the month, and a rest of the year. We love each and every single one of you guys, and we can't wait to see you all in the next episode. Goodbye. Bye.